Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome to Changing the Lost Vanity. Vanity is a first edition Chronicles of Darkness game set in southern Florida during the year 1993. Father Katrina, played by Tillman, Raymond, played by Chris, Isabel, played by Andrew, Frank, played by Slavic, and Adam as the storyteller as they uncover the mysteries of the true fae and forge new paths for themselves in a world of beauty and madness. Follow us on Twitter at twin underscore cities underscore VTM for channel updates, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Okay, so I want to cut back to Katrina and Norma. It's been about half hour, 45 minutes. Norma has just sort of excused herself to make phone calls. And she's sort of left you, given you a, an instruction to boil water. You filled up a, you know, a big pot of water, and it's been boiling for a while now. And you're not really sure like what she wants. You're kind of worried about if she's okay. Like she's just rushing. She's being very cryptic on the phone. The conversation that you overheard, at least. She sort of resurfaces from the bedroom and comes back down. Okay, it started. Uh, okay. I got the boil going. Oh, thank you. I almost forgot. She reaches into a drawer and she takes out this, it looks like a cookie jar. It has a design all around this, the side of it and you can't tell what's inside. And she takes the top off and puts her hand inside and you immediately get this, this stench, this musk uh, when she opens it. And it smells a little bit, smells a little weird. But yeah, you definitely get this strange feeling when the when the scent hits your nose and she just takes out these two like bulb like vegetables and just kind of puts it throws them inside of the pot and after a few seconds like this this thick thick steam and smoke just starts to starts to kind of fill the room and the smell of it is like it has the same quality as like incense but it's very very different it's like it smells it smells dark. It smells like grave dirt and and like a, like of plants dying. Katrina's gonna like cover her face uh, with a shirt. Like she she pulls it up like that. I'm sorry, dear. You'll get used to it in a little bit. What is that? Can I open a window? No, no. Don't open any windows. Oh God. We need to let the room fill with it. It's a it's a type of goblin fruit. It's well, I figured that much. I'm trying to set the right atmosphere here. I want the ritual to go properly. I want to make sure that when we do reconvene with Manny, we'll be able to help in some way. Okay. People should be arriving soon. I I hope. She looks at her watch and she kind of... They're going to feel really welcome in here. Nice, cozy atmosphere. Those who are true will understand. Just as, Just like you'll soon understand, Katrina. Trust me. This will all make sense to you very shortly. I'm hoping. And she looks at her watch again. It's almost like like a mom making a dinner and just like very excited for her guests to arrive or something like that. She seems very in her element right now. It's comforting in a way to see her acting okay, but it is also troubling because you're like not really sure what the the hunt of the leaves is and you're not really sure like what this is and and what this is what what she's starting to do here. Well, you definitely seem to be in your element. I thank you, Katrina. It's just a few things I've picked up. 
I've only boiled one of these twice before. Well, that's two more times than uh, me. So I think that makes you at least, well, twice as good as our autumn leader. Katrina, what I told you earlier, what I think about turning over the reins to you, I still mean it. I think you've shown that you're willing to put yourself on the line for this court, for this freehold, for people like us. But I know nothing. It's not about that. You'll see. I'll show you. Katrina, I want to tell the others, and I know that they'll follow you. I'm just uh, looking at her, like, blank expression. I mean, I'm probably looking past her, like, what is she thinking? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe when we get started, you'll, you'll see more. You'll understand. I think you just need some of the others to show you. And she she takes both of your hands and she just kind of holds them. And she's just looking into your eyes and she just smiles. Anyways, let me get back to it. I, th- I think people will be arriving soon. She shuts off all of the lights in the in the house and she just starts lighting these like very small like tea candles that she takes from a drawer. And she's placing them everywhere, trying to create light. It's very dark, though. It's still very hard to see what's going on. You're just barely able to see how to get around without bumping into stuff. And this is kind of being made worse by the, the steam that's coming from the, the stove, coming from this boiling pot, this festering goblin onion thing that she kind of threw into the, the mix that's just burning like incense right now, filling the room with a... a a morbid type of fog, something that just smells unpleasant, but it feels of autumn. And as as the minutes pass and you're among this atmosphere, you really do start to feel a a sense of home, a sense of belonging. You start to feel the weird and you feel your court, the emotions of your court. You feel the leaden mirror. You feel the ash. It's just something internal, something that you can you can really feel almost like religiously. And it feels very profound to you, but you don't want to say anything almost. After another five minutes or so, the doorbell rings. And Norma excitedly, you see her just kind of like appear out of the darkness of another room and just runs over to the door and excitedly opens it. And she's like, oh, great, great. Come in, come in. Oh, thank you so much for being here. And you see two changelings at the door. Um, you recognize them as people that are autumn court courtiers. One of them is a female. You recognize them as Amira and Susan. And they're both autumn court courtiers of your freehold. Amira is very tall and slender You're not really sure what her mean is exactly, but she has this long snake-like tongue that is kind of like, it's not like always out, but you will like see it come out and just sort of like slither and like retreat back into her mouth. And she's very snake-like in her appearance. And then the other, Susan, she's uh, another type of darkling of some sort. She has grayish skin. Her eyebrows kind of her very like broad like brow line kind of her face is very gargoyle like she has a small pair of 
these like wing, almost like wings kind of sticking out of the back of her shirt, but they're not something that, that work. They look very, very small and like underdeveloped and kind of torn apart, but they are just like a part of her mean. And you don't really know them well, but you do recognize them from, from court functions and stuff like that. And they hug, they hug uh, Norma and kiss her on the cheek and they step inside and you just see, they, they, start to waft the steam and the, the smoke and the air that's in the room. And the snake-like one, Amira, says, I see you've already gotten things ready. Norma says, yes, I'm still waiting for hopefully others to arrive. Katrina, you realize now that besides Raymond and besides Charlie, this is just about all that's, all that's left of your court. You know there's one other Autumn member of your court. His name is Clyde. He's the only one of the court that's not yet present with you guys. Norma says, and Clyde? He should be arriving shortly. I've contacted him. You hear from Susan. Is there anything we can do to help you get started? Uh, not yet. We're just waiting for the others to arrive. Susan and Amira walk over to you, Katrina, and they hug you. What happened? Do you want to? Do you want to tell us? Norma walks over to them and kind of just stops them. Leave her alone for now. Listen, we'll, we'll have time to talk after. We just need to stick to the ritual. And she puts her hand on your cheek and then sort of walks away again. I'm just going to fill them in on the things that we, that we found out and that we're trying to get in contact with Manny. And I'm going to um, ask Norma where she put that, that drawing of her uh, that she made, I mean. I put it in the drawer, honey. And she kind of just points over to this drawer underneath the table that's in between the, the couch and the TV. Right. So I, I get the drawing and like try to find a spot where there's enough candlelight so people can see. I'm going to say, do you know of a changeling who looks like this? They both lean in over the picture and Amira, who you're you're kind of noticing never really speaks above like a, a whisper in volume, says that looks so so strangely familiar to me. Yeah, that's what we thought. But Susan I mean, looks at it a little bit. That's Christian Burrell. I know who that is. That's Christian Burrell. He's he's a courtless. Courtless. Wow. Okay. Uh, well, that was almost to be expected. We we saw him on TV for. Just a few seconds, really. There was this report uh, on the news that the police finally got behind that uh, group who's been abducting children, and he was uh, arrested. They both look up completely shocked. They have like a, a sense of horror in their face as they kind of give you like a look of almost like disbelief, but it's not, it's not disbelief. They give you that no way expression, but they yeah. know that mm. what you're telling them is the truth, of course. So how do you know him if he's courtless? Uh, did he ever show up at any meetings? I've never met him. I just, I just heard a lot of nasty things about him. He's kind of one of the other like Miami outcast type of people. Oh, shit. So what did he do? Oh, supposedly, what did he do? Mm, that I really couldn't tell you. Uh, I think he's just a total nutcase. He doesn't have anything left anymore. And you, you understand that she's talking about uh, clarity. Sure. So he's lost it, and 
then he then he joins or organizes this group of uh, uh, I could I could see him being a loyalist. Of course, that's that was my initial thought, but well, that's pretty bad. I mean, I knew it was bad, but you hate to see it. But it doesn't surprise me. Somebody is something about the way that he looks just rubs me the wrong way. I've never talked to him. I mean, but I just know about him. Are there more like him? Like, do we know if there are many outcasts from Miami around here? I mean, plenty of people go the courtless route. I, I don't really think it makes them bad. Just maybe, maybe it does make them bad. I mean, it it says a lot about their character if they're not they're not willing to help. But you know, I try not to make judgments. But certain people, they just give off this vibe of wrongness. I don't really, I don't really know who he hangs out with. I just, but that's him. That's him. That's Christian Burrell. Okay. Is Norma around? Or is she still like doing things? <laughs> yeah. She's just like doing things. She, she'll occasionally I, like, like step in and out of the room. Yeah. Uh, when she looks over, I'm just going to, uh, not going to yell because like the, the atmosphere of the room is, uh, pushing down on Katrina a little bit. Like, She's um, with all uh, the smells and the candlelight and well, all that. She feels like she's in church in a way. She shouldn't yell out or like run around. And so she's going to speak clearly, but in a way like I don't uh, want to insult uh, anyone. That's Christian Burrell, a courtless. Oh, well, that name means nothing to me, sadly, but I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad that. One of you knows of him. This this is good. Um, okay, so things are almost ready. If we could just... And just as she says that, the doorbell rings again. Ugh, I hope this is Clyde. I she get goes, it. Oh, you okay. get it? Okay. Mm. Uh, so you go over and you, know, you open the door and you peek out. And you don't like... At your eye level, you don't see anything. But looking down a little bit, you see this short-statured, wizened changeling, your courtmate. Clyde. He is a, like I said, very small in, in stature, somewhat stout. He wears like workman's clothes and he has this mustache that's kind of just like a handlebar mustache that goes like all the way around and connects up to these bushy sideburns. And his hair is not like super long, but it's just long enough that he ties it back into this really loose ponytail. So there's like all these sorts of like frizzy hairs that are kind of like peeking out from it. And he gives you a nod. Katrina. Hey Clyde. Guess you could make it. Come in. I brought others with me. You did? You hear like a car door shut in the background and four more changelings come out of the car. You don't recognize any of them. A few of them are darklings which you can just tell right off the bat. They look somewhat similar to how Norma looks, but different in just like subtle ways. They both kind of have that trademark porcelain, white skin, black eyes. They look almost like they would be like the equivalent of like Norma's brother or sister, but it's just like, it's different in slight ways. So yeah, you see four, four changelings get out of the car. Two are darklings, both female. One of them with very, very long black hair that's uh, wild 
and down. And the other has like a very short haircut, kind of like that, like men's style haircut that like some women have where it's, I, I forget what it's called, but it's just like, it's, it's like very short. All equal length. Yeah, exactly. And then the other two that get out of the car, one is, seems to be like of an elemental seeming, pale blue skin reminiscent of ice, jagged features. The clothing that he wears is completely black. Everybody in this car has arrived in black. And they, they park and they slowly start to make their way to the door. Just some friends of mine, some other Autumn Court, I, I figured they would help with the strength of the ritual. Yeah, definitely. Wow, this, this is excellent. I uh, try to like wave them in and shake hands and you wave them in and they say my name a couple of times yeah they shake your hand they don't it's not like a proper like introduction like hi nice to meet you and stuff but they just Mm -hmm. like they shake your hand and they nod to you happy to be here and just um everybody everybody is kind of like assembled in the in this living room of norma's house which is by now nauseatingly full yeah rotten smoke oh that too but the two darklings that enter the room they they waft the air and they both smile. So what uh, is everyone doing? I think Katrina will just kind of awkwardly stand at the side. There's really no rules. Once once whoever's in charge declares the hunt, we just do what comes naturally. And if the weird is with us, it will be done. Right. I can see you've never done it before, but you don't have to worry. You'll understand. It's going to come to you. The moment it starts, you'll feel it innately. Trust me, I've been in your shoes. This is coming from the darkling with the short hair. Mm -hmm. I can tell by your face. Sometimes I just feel certain things about different situations, and I just know them to be true. Is this the first time you've ever done something like this? Uh, Yes and no. I believe this is my first group ritual. And you're starting to not even really be able to see her face because the the smoke in the air is so thick. And Norma comes down the stairs and she just like sees everybody that's in the room and she just smiles widely. All right, let us begin. And Clyde reaches into his bag and he takes this, this seashell out and he just blows into it as hard as he can. You can see this, his cheeks just puffing up on the one side of the of the shell this conch shell and it makes this this loud almost like earth rumbling noise and all the other changelings close their eyes and they just look upwards and suddenly the sun kind of fades away and you hear this this pitter patter on the roof of like this heavy rain very heavy rain it's hail you can hear these rocks just kind of like crashing down on norma's house Everything is completely obscured at this point. Somebody starts howling, and you can't tell who it is. They're just shouting. They're just chanting. They're just screaming in this this like this wild way, and you can't see anybody. And occasionally, through these small glimpses of candlelight that shine through the smoke, you catch glimpses of people. They're walking throughout the house. Everybody is moving. You looking out, don't feel like you'd be able to find your place if you, if you were to start moving around the house as well. But there's movement. You hear the stepping around. This one, this one person, and you're not sure who it is, 
is still just shouting and just chanting and you hear Clyde blow on the conch again and it just it just reverberates throughout the room and you start to feel it you feel the the energy of of autumn just rush over you you feel the the fear but you feel yourself as master of it and in these small glimpses of candlelight that you see people walking past certain parts where the the light shines you don't see them as their face seeming you don't see them as their mortal mortal mask you see them entirely differently as these fantastic beasts that kind of move throughout the room larger and more grandiose than than their original face seemings you see horns you see f- all sorts of monstrous features just passing the candles but it feels right it doesn't feel like seeing one of them it feels like seeing one of your own seeing what they represent truly it's like a wave of understanding about the court about about your season and about your place in it starts to settle in with you you realize that you're a part of this you're a part of this freehold but more importantly you're a part of this court a part of this overall family and it's comforting to you it's comforting to you to see this level of power that you actually do hold when you when you join together somebody is tapping on something very rhythmically i shouldn't say tapping they're smashing their fist on something very rhythmically almost as if a, a makeshift drum and you just hear this pounding on the table just and you hear the the chanting going on and you're just still seeing these figures just just past the candles leaving trails of dried autumn leaves in their wake it feels like a long time but you know that this can't possibly be true it feels like you've always been here just some the the fey part of your being has just has just been here it just understands this it resonates with this and the figures that you're seeing in the candlelight they don't appear ominous to you it's not like seeing one of the others it's like seeing seeing one of yourself seeing changelings seeing people just change into the embodiment of the court and as they dance in the candlelight you see these dried autumn leaves that kind of blow in their wake as they brush past and you're starting to feel very much a part of this it's this almost unspoken understanding that you're starting to feel with everybody else in the room everybody else who is part of this it feels like a period of time but you know that that can't possibly be true you know that it's had to have been moments since this started since you first heard that that scream break the silence of the room and since the whoever started pounding on the table creating a a rhythm it feels like a part of you has always known and remembered this internally like I said, the, the, the fae part of you, the part that they left you with when they took you and they, they changed you. The part of them that you resent so much, the part of yourself that you sometimes hate. But right now, you f- are starting to feel very at home with it. You hear Norma's voice break over the, the action that's going on in the room. And it sounds different. It echoes. It reverberates. It 
carries a heavy power with it. And you hear her proclaim, Today I call forth the leaden mirror of this freehold. We ride on the hunt of the leaves together tonight. You've pledged loyalty to me, and you've trusted me throughout the years. I now ask that you swear allegiance to your courtmate, my friend, my better. She has risked everything to warn us of the coming dangers. She's the only one who truly understands what we are facing. And you see her face through the smoke and through the darkness, and it carries this sense of power that you've never seen in meek Norma before. The hail is crashing down on the house louder and more violently than it was before. The sun completely disappearing, engulfed into this insane storm that's kind of just started abruptly. You feel a hand inside of your hand, and you turn to see it's Norma. She's standing beside you. Katrina, you're of great worth to me. You are loyal to your friends. You're loyal to this court. You're the one that should guide us. Do you accept? What are you feeling right now, Katrina? Uh, Katrina's not feeling up to it. Not feeling ready for this. Um, I mean, she's humbled, certainly. But, uh, also, I think she's very scared, like, that Norma puts her out there like that. She almost feels like uh, it's a betrayal a little bit because she's been insisting that she just can't do it. She doesn't see herself doing uh, this, uh, filling this position. But um, now she's kind of being put on the spot. You absolutely are. You're having all this thrust upon you. But if I can convey anything about this ritual and about how in my, in my head it would it would make you feel it's it's definitely you don't feel the way you usually feel about things you feel very almost like meditative being here not saying that that would make you inclined to uh jump on board with this idea in any way katrina is still katrina absolutely and your hesitation when she asks you that you just see this a small bit of sorrow in her face and then it it changes to like a, a like a a small smile Katrina, I, you know I can't make you. And I'm sorry if I've made you uncomfortable or, or put you on the spot. I just thought that maybe if I showed you, you would understand. If you don't feel like now's the time, that's okay. We're your courtmates. We're your friends. You need to trust us. Yeah, n- not yet. Maybe once, once we are through with this and you feel you've definitely had enough and I've seen everything that they're that there's to see and that you can show me. Of course. I'll take you under my wing. I'll show you everything I know. Katrina, if being a member of the Autumn Court has taught me anything, it's that things change, like the leaves. The seasons change. I accept change, and I understand change is important to staying strong, to keeping the power of this court. I'm not trying to thrust this on you. If not, now, then... Maybe another time. I really hope I haven't made you too uncomfortable. We'll talk when the when the weather gets colder and the wind picks up. Uh, and I, I hold her hand tightly. She smiles at you and she grips your hand very hard. Before long, the, the smoke starts to clear out a little bit. And you see everybody 
kind of just standing in the room the way that they the way that they came into it the two darklings that joined the both of the females that came as Clyde's guests you see there's there's tears just uh falling from their eyes but they appear happy they look as though something beautiful has just happened it's probably the same for Katrina and when the when the storm fades and the sun peeks through the the shut blinds of Norma's house and everything is once again illuminated only small wisps of the smoke still linger in the air you guys all just just look at each other and nobody says anything a few of you are are crying like uh not like violently just just sobbing like you saw something very beautiful Norma opens the blind and peeks out the window and she turns back and, and looks at everybody and she says, it's done. Clyde and the other two of your court, the Fort Lauderdale Autumn Court, they look at each other, they look at you, Katrina, and then they look at Norma and almost like in a, a moment of, of just total understanding, almost like it was telepathically communicated they all just just turn to Norma, and they get down on one knee, and they just they just bend their head to her, and she just looks like very like like flattered, just like she's just like she's very moved by it. And then Clyde gets up from his kneel, and he just proclaims just loudly, just yells into the room to Katrina and Norma, and everybody just echoes back to Katrina and Norma, and they smile and. Um, Everybody disperses except for Clyde. He sticks around and he's kind of just standing in the in the room as it as it empties out and everybody thanks thanks Norma says their goodbyes and kind of goes on their way. And he just says, "I think it's time we meet up with Manny." Norma looks at him and then looks back at you, Katrina. "I think you're right. We should go and offer any kind of assistance they might need. I'll call Manny, I'll get the meeting point." Katrina, are you ready to go? Uh, yes, certainly. All right. Oh, hello again, folks. I'd like to tell you about the Facebook group we run called White Wolf and Onyx Path RPGs Gameplay and Media. Have you ever wished you could have an easy way to find gameplay videos and podcasts or just media in general that deals with your favorite White Wolf role-playing games? Why have you ever wished you could find a forum to share gameplay that you have recorded? One that won't be drowned out by random posts and discussions, so that your media could give the attention you deserve. The group is specifically run with the sole intent of being a one-stop shop for people to view or share media involving the games we all love. We take thorough steps to ensure the page does not become cluttered and is easy to traverse. The group is already immense and continuing to rapidly grow, with new media being shared every day. Stop on by. We hope to see you there.